What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Middle call! Hey, behave! people doubted whether or not we would just keep pumping out podcasts into mid-May, then this one's like Jordan, John. For the haters. Everything's for the haters. Can't, can't stop, won't stop. I didn't realize, did you realize, Jordan, like everything was for the haters to the degree that it was before anyone used the word haters? No, I, I did not. Does he hype it up? Probably a tad, maybe a little bit. Uh, I think most probably athletes at the highest level, you know, a Peyton... Uh, Nolan Ryan, uh, fucking Jordan, whoever. Just you're naturally going to keep tabs on things, right? Like you think you're better. And you're going to also, I think when you're at top of the mountain, Michael, Brady, you know, I, I'm trying to think baseball is probably better. Like Ken Griffey back in the day, whoever. He'd probably be a bad example. But Roger Clemens. People on the lower tier, right? It's like a big company versus a little company. The little company's always barking up the tree, not right. the other way around. Yeah. You don't even, why is Michael acknowledging fucking even guy that's even close to his level, like a Clyde, right? He, he's not even talking about him. Well, but when people start barking up the tree, like Tom Brady, I'm going to kick your ass. It's like, okay, but you don't say shit until you kick their ass. And then you're like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said that. We made a note in the quarterback's room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, because if you're the best, then occasionally you'll get beat because that's how sports work. But just the odds will say you're going to win most of those things. So the one time you get beat, that is the one thing that person has. For Man, I remember when I gave Michael Jordan 12 points. Like, that's somebody who just says that, right? But if they had played Michael Jordan 100 times, 12 points would be the most they'd give him. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't behoove Bezos to be talking shit about a bunch of people that he wants to ultimately buy, right? Or just whatever. Like, he's he not constantly taking shots. He's just kind of keeping an eye on everything. Yeah. Now, I would imagine people talking shit about Amazon, people talking shit about whoever, the Yankees. Like, it's natural for the person on top to have the most amount of people talking shit about them. Also, right? it's only cool if you're on top, right? Like, the guy on your, uh, 
local rec league team who shoots 28% from three who does it for the haters, it's not cool, right? Most of the people who do it for the haters don't rise to the level where it's like cool to hear about all the grudges they hold. It's just weird. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. And we talked a little bit about this, but when Derek Carr told Vic Tafer, like, I don't give a shit anymore. Like, I'm just going to let it rip. And kind of like, you know, I've been paying attention to everyone talking. Like, Derek, no one's really paying attention to you right now. You, you know, it's like when the guy's in the middle ground or whatever. It's like, what, you know, I, I think it's a problem for the NBA. Is like, yeah, I, I don't take, I'm not even talking about like a Devin Booker. I, I'm talking about a guy who's like a top 15 star. It's like, yeah, I, I, I don't really care what you have to say anymore, Russell Westbrook. You know, it's like. I, it doesn't matter. Like LeBron, Steph, Kevin, we kind of pay attention, but everyone after that, it's like, yeah, I just don't care. E- right. Even for example, I'll give you a guy. Feels like Draymond's been a little drowned out by just people with common sense. Like Draymond, we get it. Just stop. You know, it, it, it's it's cooler when a Jordan, when a Belichick, when a Steinbrenner, when I mean, yeah, you I could just argue, think the, the, like is Elon is Elon Musk losing it right now? He still has a lot more to gain than like if Ford or Chevy just came out blasting everyone, right? Yeah. A lot more yeah, Fords on the road than yet. Tesla. Yeah. Big time. So doesn't it make sense for him to kind of just always be in the cycle? Because even the cat, like five, two years ago, you'd have been like, Middlecoff, do you ever drive a Tesla? No chance. Every six months that goes by, it's like, God damn, I kind of want one one day. <laughs> yeah. Maybe and one day we'll probably all have them. Some version. He he knows one day we'll all drive some version of his vision. The question is just will it be his or somebody else's? Or yeah, Ford's? does he have the market share or does Ford still have the majority of Elon Musk versions of Ford's, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh before we get into this podcast, just a uh, reminder. You this you uh I'm looking at you right now. I don't see a uh, Kinders. A little early for that. Maybe that's later when it's time to eat. But friends of the yeah, podcast, no, no Kinders, Kinders right and now. uh Evergood sausages. Actually, I got some Evergood sausages in the uh, chicken apple in the uh, fridge right now. Smart move. Ma- made some this weekend. Big hit. Never I ran saw that on Instagram. That, You're not lying. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I cooked them. Uh, multiple people ate them, and they liked them. And Kinder's, we got the, – both these companies have been around, one since for 90 years, the other since 1946. So that's – I'm not a math major. That's about, what, 70, 80 uh, long time, you know, well before m- probably anyone listening w- was born. Uh, so support local kinders. They have a bunch of, you know, shops to go get chicken sandwiches, steak sandwiches, tri-tip sandwiches, you name it, get lunch, get dinner. And then our friends at Evergood, I, I got mine at Safeway. Where- where'd you pick yours up at? Safeway. Safeway as well. They're, they're all over the place. Yep. Check them out. Uh, yeah. Costco, wherever, wherever you get, whatever you get, you can, you yeah. can find it. Lucky if that still, as we've discussed, if that still exists, I, I think it does. Certain places. Um, all right, this Lucky's, huh? The supermarket. Yeah, Lucky's. We talked about this I on a seen, previous. I, yeah, I haven't seen those. It's cr- kind of crazy how many supermarkets there used to be, and now they're just consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. One day they'll just be like, "Oh, where are you going? We're going to the Amazon store to pick up everything we need." It's called Whole Foods, yeah. <laughs> AKA, they just <laughs> deliver it to your front door. <laughs> I saw a friend of mine put on Instagram, like, saving a bunch of money. My only expenditure is uh, grocery store delivery fees. I was like, oh. I haven't done well, that I mean, yet. The, 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 there is a decent chance. I don't even know if it's decent. It's probably a strong chance. In our lifetime, and I know people in the food business, I know you do as well, just in that kind of sector, 
they don't think that that shit's really going to exist. Now, the problem is, if you just think about like a Safeway or like, you know, in Davis, we talk a lot about Nugget Markets or Albertsons or whatever. Let's say they don't exist. What do you do with that piece of property? Like, it is very important for counties, for states to have car dealerships, to have stores. Like, they pay, they keep, they, they pay a big tax bill. You know, that's the way this world goes round. But it, where we're headed, like, maybe that's just where more, the food warehouse is. Yeah, I mean the yeah, products exactly. have to be it, somewhere, right? There is a lot of products that have to be somewhere. It'll shift, but that's when you just think about it. That's just it's kind of a big piece of property that the aisles will just be filled with delivery people instead of us. Exactly, maybe that. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Some food for thoughts. That, well, that's where it's like, like kill the movie theaters. Like, ah, well, we need a tenant that wants uh, eighteen thousand square feet rooms. Well, I, I, someone told me is. this weekend a number that like a Lowe's or a Home Depot. You know, if yeah. you think about it, you don't, you don't normally think about it when you walk into one of those things. But if you take a step back and you start asking some questions like, what is their monthly rent? And you, well, if like the, just the mom and pop shops paying five grand, multiply it by whatever. It's enormous. You know, it's fucking huge. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. I, I, two high six figures you know some of these places that you just go geez you telling me lowe's doesn't own that building well i mean home depot and lowe's some i, mean, I don't think they own all the buildings they're yeah they're no in. i mean some of a lot of them are in uh like business parks right yeah or just commercial areas right that they just they make so much money so if, if they pay no it makes sense they probably don't own a lot of those buildings no i don't think they do just the developer owns them yeah and needs them, but here's the thing, and needs them there. Like, how many, they don't, there's not, because a lot of those places are kind of anchors, right, for uh, shopping. Big time. Time. So <laughs> Big they, time. they're not paying, like, you know, take the mom and pop 5000 multiply the size, by the place, right? The developer needs Lowe's or Home Depot in that location, or Walmart uh, or Target. I, I would imagine I'm no real estate developer, but once you get a hold of a Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever, they're just a monstrous, uh, uh, Safeway, they pay, like, if you're, if your mom and pop shop goes under next to them, a couple of them, you can stay afloat no problem for a while as long as they're operating. It's where you make probably the big money is when you get the extras along the way. Yeah, right? but you have to have the central flagship corner store to get. Not When I say corner store, I mean cornerstone. Yeah, somebody in development, uh, send us a DM and let us know think, how think, much think about things. things I'll give you one on a smaller basis, like the CV, CVS and, and uh, Walgreens everywhere. They're not huge, yeah. but they're not small, right? Right. We need we need those it's things you think about in quarantine. Um, car wash. I've always heard. I don't know. Even it just feels like a wife sta- just out there like car washes, cash cows, money laundering. Yeah, just, yeah, just always Marvin yeah, Harrison. Cash. You also hear that with like parking lots, which makes sense. I mean, they're just just a lot where you just park, right? Yeah. Like the one, remember and, and the, the one by Comcast like, in the city? It's normally $15. Today, $30. Like, oh, shit. There's what nothing like the ones in San Francisco. It's like, oh, yeah, the Giants are playing today, so today, $48. And then you go the next day, it's like, oh, 12 <laughs> the fuck? Uh, All right, we'll dive in. Uh, don't forget, you can find this podcast on YouTube with video and pictures. Go to our YouTube channel and um, watch all kind of videos that we got going on there. We got some ideas this week, firing some videos up there. 
All right, a rapid-fire podcast, Middlecoff. That's what this is. Um, a lot to get to, and we're going to try and keep it moving here because we know a lot of you got, uh, you know, you got cues to watch on Netflix. Um, first things first, 49ers. I, it did make me think, as they lost somebody from their front office, Quese uh, Adolfo Mensa. I'm glad you said it because I've never – I didn't know that. He's the, v, the new VP of football operations for the uh, Browns. He brings their uh, – the, the headline personnel from the Ivy League now to four. Stefanski, Deep Podesta. Andrew uh, Barry. Andrew Barry. Sashi's not there anymore, right? Uh, no. He was the uh, director of football research and development. The director of football R&D for the 49ers. Oh, he didn't, you're saying he didn't go to Chico State? <laughs> did not go to Chico State. <laughs> where, where did he go to school? Uh, for which degree? <laughs> Okay, that's all you need to say. He went to Princeton for his bachelor's, but his his master's in econ was from Stanford. When you're when you're that, and I'll never know this. You'll never know this, and I would imagine ninety nine percent of people listening will never know this. Do you introduce yourself like, oh, where'd you go to school? Like me, I just you know Cal Poly or Fresno State, you Fresno State. Most people just UCLA, you yeah, know, whatever. Just your main like Cal or. Even that's like higher level. Most people are like Oregon State, you know, or Texas Tech, or right? Wherever a Cal Western. Do you say like ah oh, just uh, Princeton, or do you say Stanford? I like, think how do you even balance? It? Yeah, with that one, I think you double down. You yeah, you double down, or you go with Princeton. You go with your undergrad. I think if you go, you know, let's say you went Diablo Valley College to Stanford, then you definitely go with Stanford if Stanford's your master's. You think Princeton would resonate more with the uh, just a normal guy than Stanford? Uh, when you say normal guy, normal like kind of academic guy or just sports guy? Anyone. You I just, think yes. You know, I think I think Princeton is viewed right or wrong as. I'd probably I'd clap back on that. Like I to me, if I did the Ivy League ratings, like to me, Harvard, Yale, are like their corner. Like that, you would always say that. Just because it distinguishes you a little bit, I think. Like, see, I would, I would agree on. Ho- I'd put Princeton toward the bottom. I, I'd put Princeton as just like the Cal of the Ivy. You know, it's just like, oh, that's impressive. But it's like, you know, they well, ran a good basketball team. They, maybe you know, it it, like I think if we just did like a cross section, a, a, a million people asked them what's the most prestigious school. I think they'd go Harvard one, Princeton. I think the average person would say Princeton ahead of Yale. You don't think so? Maybe I'm numb to Princeton a little bit because of just, I don't know why, Sacramento Kings hired what's-his-name that ran the offense. Yeah, so I've always thought, like, it's just the more well-rounded Ivy League. I have always just thought Harvard would clearly be their flagship. I agree there. Try to even think, like, Cornell, is that one of them? Columbia. Columbia. Princeton. You're right. It's not like, I'm not trying to dispute, like, this guy went to Princeton. He's a moron. No, no, I know you're not. I it's a good question. I, I just pl- it's, a, it's it's just a, it's a pure fast, perception, it and it's great because I don't actually know really. Like in the Ivy League, they could tell you who they make fun of. And you're right, Harvard probably does make fun of Princeton. Well, if, if I told is, you this, you, you I got a guy from Stanford. I got a guy from let's just even say Harvard. Haberman, who would you rather hire? But you're not allowed to meet him. I think I'd lean Stanford. Stanford. But I, I'm biased because I'm out yeah. here. I've been around them. Right. I've known some of them. I just think they're the cream of the crop. Good chance they're like an Olympian. But it also shows the cream of the crop, and we see a lot of this out here, like Parag 
and some of these guys, when you do an undergrad at like a Cal or Princeton or Harvard, and then you then come to Stanford, it's like, yeah, that guy's the cream of the crop of the cream of the crop. How about Stanford? <laughs> so just, how about Stanford Duke? Uh, see, I'm I'm jaded when you have a sport power. I don't look at you like an academic elite, probably like I should. I know, so that's where Coach K and all those guys hoop. You know, even though clearly it's a big time academic university. Yeah. Right. I, I just don't. I don't necessarily like Vanderbilt. They say it's like you know the Stanford or whatever of the SEC. It's clearly an elite academic institution. Well. I think the dumbest sport of the three are baseball guys. Just typically, they, they don't have to stay in school. They don't ever have to graduate. Uh, and they dominate in baseball. Now, I'm not saying baseball guys, like all baseball guys are dumb. And clearly, a lot of their guys, like Sonny Gray or whoever went there, are probably smarter than most guys in the big leagues. Like Sean Doolittle. Went Virginia as an academic, you know, high-level academic institution, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But they've historically been hit or miss, like had really good football program. Right you now, give them respect because really they're not consistently good at anything? Yeah, but they, but they have won at all the sports. I mean, yeah, they won and a Sean national Doolittle, title, but that's not really how we think of them. But like Sean Doolittle is an academic guy, right? He just happens to be really good at baseball. And you're like, okay, it makes sense. He went to Virginia, right? Yeah. To me, Ryan Grigson went to Purdue. Out. That's a good academic institution, isn't it? Well, but, He's on but, the Ryan, Grigson, but Ryan Grigson is really, really intelligent. Like he is... I don't. He's not a great scout, but he's a really, really smart guy. Like I, like he was. There's a reason. Like him and Howie Roseman were really good friends. Like people like them. Like he is smart. So, I I guess I say didn't, didn't Low Neal's kid go there too? Go or goes? He's still there, right? I, I for some reason I thought he was coming out in the draft. And then I saw Low post something on Instagram. It's like, is, is your kid there? 18 years? I mean, how long has he been there? <laughs> So I say all this to say, I do wonder if we are approaching kind of the last dance of the 49ers. And I don't mean it in the same way that it meant for the Bulls where the run ended. But like, I do think this time next year, we could be talking about Robert Sala gone, Mike LaFleur, who's the pass game coordinator gone, Mike McDaniel, who's the run game coordinator gone. Now, some of that could change depending on our next discussion based on a vote that the owners have coming on Tuesday. Um, is like, is Are they going to have to reorganize at some point to give Adam Peters a GM title and give John Lynch a, a higher title. And you know what I mean? I don't know, but just a lot of success. People are getting hired and it does feel like the run on 49ers personnel hasn't even really happened yet. Well, cause it hasn't who have they really lost Chris Kiffin, you know, uh, the woods, their DB coach that went to the, uh, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. You know, they, they really haven't been pillaged. Now they've had one good year despite they've been together three, right? Mm-hmm. They had one season when you would go, yeah, I'd hire a bunch of guys off that staff. I mean, we were talking, like, should Robert Sala return? Like, would he become ago. a head coach this year? Yeah. Now, I don't know where you stand on this. You know, everything, and there was the, you see, the minority new rule. And one thing that I think Proposal. consistently, yeah, pro- oh, it has, yeah, it has been passed yet to pass, to move it up. It feels like it's headed there is that it feels like a law, a large percentage of the minority stranglehold in the league in terms of like their power positions tends to be on defense, and a big push has been to get those guys pumping more up the seam on offense, get them involved in quarterback rooms. I, I don't think we're just stuck forever on offensive head coaches because Robert Saul interviewed. I, clearly, he's an impressive, smart guy. People said he interviewed really well. He's already worked for the Jaguars. It feels like Doug Marone's in a make-or-break year. If that job were to come available, you would think he would immediately be like 
one of their top candidates. Now, whether they would be open to hiring him, who knows? You know, in terms of they, they have to have an offensive guy. But I do think this stuff ebbs and flows. I agree. Uh, especially as the league ebbs and flows. And playing defense, the Niners are a really good example. Still really fucking matters. You know, in the team the Niners played in the second round was the Minnesota Vikings. Their defensive, their head coach, the defensive guy, and I'd say Mike Zimmer's been at raging success. Might be strong, but a success. Yeah. What right? if the Bills so, win their division this year with a defensive head coach? Sean, Sean McDermott's having success. Zimmer's had success. I mean, Belichick's Pete. a defensive guy. Tomlin, Pete, they're out there. Uh, what if Ron Rivera in a couple years, like the Redskins, are making the playoffs? Uh, Jack Del Rio, I mean, his time in Oakland actually still looks pretty good. You know, I, I, I don't think we're just dead set on every guy's got to be six, two skinny, good jawline and former quarterback at some level, division one to division four. Right. Except even though that is the bears coaching staff, that is the bears coaching staff. You see the bears have four guys in their offensive. I think it's four former quarterbacks, not counting the quarterbacks. Like college quarter, <laughs> but but wouldn't you say that, like okay let's just let's just pick the head coach was Andy Reid's right hand guy for well, almost a decade? Yeah. And do you know what John D. Filippo did? He was the quarterback coach with Foles when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like typically Frank, that if Frank I go, Wright. yeah, if I go, hey, uh, you know, uh, pick a team like Lions. The the bad example, the oh. Ravens in 2012. If you just go, yeah. The team that won the Super Bowl with Flacco, what happened to their couple offensive assistants? I'd be like, I bet a couple of them over the next couple years got some jobs. Usually just ride the wave. Or if you stay with an elite guy long enough, if you're like, yeah, I was with Pete Carroll five years, what usually happens? Robert Sala, Gus Bradley, Dan Quinn, you just, success just kind of breeds more success for these guys. It's always been my pushback for Eric Bieniemy. Is like he hasn't he hasn't been he was Andy's running back coach for a while, but he's only been the offensive coach now or offensive coordinator really for two since Nagy left. It's like he I, I'd call him a borderline lock to get a job. If You're just saying it, you understand why it hasn't happened yet. Well, it, it's understandable. Yeah, you know, I yeah. it's just like I, I I get it. I do I I do wonder since you brought up like the D. Filippo the Eagles staff. I I wonder. Are we going to see Mike LaFleur or Mike McDaniel get a job? Like, could one of those guys get a head coaching job if Kyle just names them OC, right? You don't have to be a play caller necessarily. We've seen it now repeatedly from from Andy's guys and from the Eagles guys. You don't have to be the play caller to get a head coaching job. Now, the difference, Frank Reich is a former NFL head coach, right? Doug Peterson is a former NFL head coach. Maybe that makes it unique that those guys got jobs when they really weren't play callers. From an offensive staff because they they are pretty established just NFL people for a long time. What what about maybe it's always been like this and it probably has, but definitely in our lifetime, colleges now on any given year could you could hire get two college coaches coming in the league. Like I, doesn't it feel like more than ever the last six seven years college coach because of the money in college just say no to jobs. Like if Lincoln Riley was like I'm open I'm in who wants me. He would be a lock to get an NFL coaching job. But if I told you Lincoln Riley's at Oklahoma another five years, I think you'd yeah. be like, yeah, totally. Matt, Matt Campbell. Matt, if Matt Campbell's like, I want in, people would be like, okay. Like the one thing that made Matt Rule fascinating was it was clear he kind of wanted in. And people were like, you can go get this guy. Yeah. For a while. It was wanted like, in and had been in the NFL. Chip Kelly 
I mean, eight, seven, eight years ago, had dipped his toe in, remember, with Tampa, pulled back, and Saban kept saying no. But, I, da, you know, Dabo, I, I don't think Shaw. he could ever say no. Yeah, just it, when those guys want in, they're going to get a job, right, right or wrong, and they're not always going to succeed. But now they all happen, every guy you listed happens to be an offensive guy. But I, I do think it kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah. Just no different than, like, are we just one day going to see – the only shots you see in basketball is three-pointers. Like, 90% of the shots, just like the strikeouts and home runs in baseball. Like, I I, I just think there's a natural up and down to the stock market, to sports, to life, to fucking everything. Well, I think you're right, and I've thought about that in quarantine because I've seen there's been this influx of, you know, players trying to get recruited or signed. Baseball players, I think you'll see it happen after the baseball draft here in a couple weeks. That's only five rounds is a lot of people a lot of pitchers posting their videos and you know one thing a pitcher can do is they can post a video of them throwing and it says 102 miles an hour and then they post like all the digital readout from all these um there's a few different versions of these machines that can give you spin rates and arm angles and right ball movement and all this stuff so they're just posting that stuff like hey look I'm worth working with look at my stuff but I haven't seen a guy yet post a video like Whoa. 82 miles an hour, but look at the movement. Like, that video doesn't exist. It's all like, 98 miles an hour, D3 guy. It's like, who? What? To your point, I got one of those. I got one of those on my timeline the other day. Juco lefty looked about 6'4", 103. I was like, yeah, it's crazy. I know. Uh, all right, let's let's take this but, discussion. But, but wouldn't you say that happened a little bit with football and pro days? I mean, Tua had to Tua had to do that. If a JC guy had to do it, Tua. But I, yeah, I'm saying specifically, or baseball pitchers you're throwing. ever gonna? Th- yeah, is this just gonna be, or at some well, point? It, well, not I read this story, though. I can just go sit there and have the gun out and see him, or or watch him pitch a game. I'm not talking about quarantine. I'm just talking about is it gonna swing back to okay? Now every guy throws 100 miles an hour. Uh-oh. They can't. I see what you're saying. Like, is this just forever? Everyone's just going to throw as hard as ever. You know what I mean? Or is it some point? If everyone's throwing 100, then there is going to be a value in a guy that can really bring move in a guy throwing 90, 85. Well, maybe not 85, but yeah, 92. What about, bring out a Tim. What, what if you go Araldus Chapman and then you have Tim Wakefield? Also, you're just getting the ebb and yeah. flow. I I I read a story a week or two ago about Julio Franco. You know, I don't even know who how old Julio now. Like 50, 49. Do you see this story? The, the dude with the big step when he hit. Didn't he do this? Yeah, yeah, yes. That's Julio. Yeah. And played, I, I don't know if he wants to come back and play. He was playing in Japan, whatever. But um, he, like, bet somebody he could hit, like, 130-mile-an-hour fastball off of the pitching machine. And he did. And then he moved, like, 10 feet closer and did it again. They're like, how are you doing this? He's like, if I know it's coming, it's just timing. Like, it's just my sw- – I can just start my swing earlier. Now, I don't know if everyone can do that. But, anyway, the point is just – when everyone's doing one thing, being able to do the other thing. Um, well, they, the hardest part, and this is where the Astros kind of got shit on, the hardest part, in the, you could argue the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a baseball. A big reason for that, you have no clue what's coming. Right? Well, think about football, if, like the play calling. A big part of it is tricking the other team. Well, wh- why is playing defense always been pretty hard? 11 guys know the play. 11 guys are reacting to what they kind of hope is the play based on a formation and based on the down and distance. It's kind of like a pitch. Well, I know the guy throws 100, or fuck, I know they got Barry Sanders. They might run it, but they also got Herman Moore. They could throw it. You're like, well, he could throw the changeup that is 87. 
you know, or he can throw the slider. It's like, oh, they also have a decent tight end, right? It's just, there's a guessing element to defense, to hitting, to, to any, to you know, life. to most sports. Yeah. Not knowing what's coming. Always more impressed by people who, you know, are able to handle things that, I heard Costas say it the other day on Dan Levitard, Bob Costas. He's like, I always enjoyed a show where some things went wrong. That was sometimes more fun. I can identify with that. Like in live TV, a lot of people can just read off the prompter. And you don't really know. You can't really separate people until you see them when something goes wrong. How do they handle when you, that? W- when you open up, like when I'm watching you call a game on Fox Sports 1, do you read the prompter to open up? Here at Rice no People Stadium, no. you just you just kind of ad lib the ba- main thing. I've and then tried different things, but I'm, you're not reading it. I've tried different things of like not Have you thinking ever heard of, of it ahead of time. There have been times where I'll like make a note, like here's five bullets of things to hit, and maybe I'll tape it under the camera or something. Um, or you write a couple lines to start. I've tried different things. Yeah. Who's I guess Jim Nance has talked about golf's probably a little different than like calling a football game. Because you sleep on it Sunday night. Like, what happens if Phil Mickelson oh. finally wins the Masters? Like, Joe Buck, if you're calling the Super Bowl, you know that Tom Brady could win his sixth. But there are just so many different things that could happen in the game. You you wouldn't have, like, Tom Brady, sixth. Like, it's just it's kind of a natural flow <laughs> yeah. of what's going on in the game. More of, like, a sport, like tennis. There's a buildup, you know, in a, in a Wimbledon or a golf tournament. In, like, a Game 7... You just don't exactly know how it's going to play out to what I'm watching, right? Yeah, I think on there's a, a difference like between show up to the stadium with your handwritten note of what you're going to say if the Cubs win the World Series, and in the eighth inning during a commercial break, you kind of think of something. I've had that happen a couple times where, like, during a break, I think of, like, oh, if this happens, that'd be kind of cool, and then you just keep it in the back of your mind. Like, to me, that's... Or like some version of oh, if this happens, yeah. I mean, I guess cool. there is like if there is an overwhelming narrative, like if you're calling Game Five of the 2004 World Series, I think they swept actually, so it would have been Game Four, and the Red Sox are about to win the fucking World Series. You probably gonna bring up the curse of the Paul Bambino Revere. is dead. You know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. Paul Revere rides again. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, one other part of this. Story is just something that's going to happen Tuesday. The owners are going to vote. Albert Breer wrote in the MMQB about this blocking rule. And this applies to the Niners a little bit because uh, Mike LaFleur was blocked last year, right, from joining his brother's staff in Green Bay because in the NFL you can't – you can block as a team a position coach from interviewing for coordinator jobs. And so there is a – they're going to vote on whether or not you you can keep doing that. I don't think most people understand when you're a scout or you're a coach beside the head coach or the general manager, you usually sign two or three year deals. And when it gets to year one with one year left on the deal, most teams, when they like the person, do this thing, quote unquote, a rollover. So you get a little raise. Like, I mean, if you're a coach, you probably get like, can go from like 900,000 to 1.1. I mean, stupid money. If you're a scout, it could be a big deal from like 80 grand to 100 grand. But it rolls you over to an extra year, so you're under contract. And when you do that, it gives you, well, I got a two- or three-year contract. They went from I had one year left to immediately going back to two or three. You have security. And that's why most people, it's hard to be like, let it ride, like Flacco style. Just it's human nature 
that whether it's 80 grand or 500 grand that maybe LaFleur's making, it happened to a lot of, I, I only signed one year contracts when I was in scouting, but I have a bunch of friends now that get Wait a second, you think Michael LaFleur was making 80 grand? No, 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 no. I think he's probably making six, seven hundred. Talking about grand. his raise, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I'm talking. I, I was talking. The scouts were in the eighty. Oh, grand. okay, okay. The coaches were in the the high six figures. Mike Lafleur might make eight hundred grand. I'm saying they might give him yeah a ten percent raise, so it goes to eight eighty or whatever. But that usually adds another year. So some guys they get in this predicament. They go let it ride, and I'll become a quote unquote free agent. Most humans, just because of the nature, the volatility of the industry, it's like, well, if you go three wins next year, everyone get fired. And then you're just, you got no money. And I think there's a balance to that that I think co- that coaches always think they're getting fucked. And, and I think scouts sometimes, if you're making a hundred grand and someone's offering you a job for double the money and the title might not be that much better, it's like, this is bullshit. When I'm signing you to a deal like worth $1.5 million over two years, I'm sorry, I, I'm giving you a lot. Yeah, what if you, know? you, what if you said uh, you, can, you can block position coaches from interviewing for OC jobs up until their third year with you or something like that? Would that do you think that would – like after three years, you can't keep blocking a guy – well, you, you and I talked before we got on, and we'll, by the time someone might listen to this, the vote might already happen. I don't know what the incentive would be for the owners. Like, you, if you, as an owner, you would want, like, well, I'm giving them security that I have to. And you see these guys, when they get fired, you go, well, he's still got two years left on his deal. It's not just the head coach. These coordinators, for example, when Gruden got here, Paul Gunther, and everyone's been shitting on Paul Gunther for his first couple years, signed a four-year contract. So, yeah, if they had fired him, Mark Davis probably, I, I'm just going to guesstimate, Paul Gunther was making $2 million a year. So, he might have signed a four-year, $8 million contract. So, if he would have been fired after two years, they'd still owe him $4 million. And I, I think there's a balance to you. people always bitching and moaning, you won't let me interview. Well, it's like, I am paying you. I, I I'm only can restrict you if you're not, if you're under contract. And I think if... Anyone listening that works in the real world that signs a quote-unquote any sort of contract, whether I know a lot of businesses you're more at-will employee, but I bet you sign leases, right, or you maybe you own a building or, or, or a home or whatever that you rent out. You can't just break the contract after six months. You sign the year. Now, we can be open to stuff, right? but I think, that, I think the element in the NFL with the coaches, I'm paying you so much fucking money. It's my issue with the minority thing a little bit is that I think in the media that is discussed, like these quote-unquote guys are getting screwed, I have somewhat a hard time with getting screwed when you're under a three-year, 1.5-a-year contract as an OC, as a DC. Now, if like I was holding you down, it's like, a, this guy's been a quality control guy forever, and Belichick just refuses to let the minority guy become a position coach. I'd be like, yeah, this is shady. But it, I don't know if it's totally shady when the guy becomes an OC and he's making 1.6 a year. Like, but I th- isn't you know, the point of that that like you don't even have that many minority OCs? Isn't that aren't we talking about two different things well, here? Th- th- there was, but I, it was more about the draft positioning with head coach and GM. I think yeah. there were other elements that kind of made sense that I saw to like you get some benefit if a guy becomes a quarterback coach. I, I understand that. Yeah, you get like my a comp, points a fourth round comp pink whatever. My my points more like when you block an OC or even a DC. 
they are not from like on the bottom as a DC or an OC somewhere else. They can't become. They can become a head coach somewhere else. Yeah, it's just like they're not financially ever. Getting but what I'm saying really. is that's. But that's not really where the the minority issue is not addressing. That's not really the problem that the minority rule is trying to correct or the proposal. Right. That's something different for the most part. But I I do think a huge element of the pushback is like why can't Bienemis become a polarizing guy. Like, what did Bienemy not get the Colorado job? He didn't get the interview for the Browns. Like, he's making probably one point five million dollars to be Andy Reid's right hand guy. Like, he's got a really good job. Yeah, I mean, and he's just become a focal point, I think, because he's representative of like all Andy. You know, I think the easy way to view it is Andy's other OCs have become head coaches. Why won't he? And I think you and I both view it like he's gonna become a head coach. But and he's got a little I think, bag. I, I think part of the problem is like, why is he the only guy that can be represent? Why is he the only black OC candidate? to become a head coach, right? That's the issue that they're really trying to address. It's just the volume is just so small, the percentage. Yeah, there's the something with the and, and they're trying to get it to create more an offense, but that was my point 15 minutes ago that a lot of if you probably really did a deep dive, the African American population in the coaching fraternity in the league is on defense, and I do think it's just come around, you know? Just like more defensive guys, like if Robert Sala becomes a head coach next year, like that's a minority guy. But I think the problem has been these last couple of years the minority guys haven't been getting as many jobs on because defensive coordinators haven't been getting as many jobs. But they, but actually, a couple years ago, Wilkes, Vance Joseph, they just got fired immediately. They just were bad. I think, um, I think the more black quarterbacks you get, the more black OCs you'll get too. The the pushback though I'd put on that is like I NFL you'd have to look. Byron Leftwich, how much money he made? Like he's an OC right now for Arians, and you'd say, well. If let's say him and Tom Brady, like let's just say hypothetically, these next two years, they win three or four total playoff games. I'd say Leftwich, who's been with Arians from day one, borderline locked to become a head coach. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just it, there's a lot of different elements to it. But I, but back to the, my point is, I, I just we just had a run of like you were a OC with any sort of success, you were a borderline locked to get a job. And I, I just think it'll come back a little bit, and more guys on the defensive side of the ball are just going to be tend to be black, and those guys will be in positions to get jobs. But that's different than what we're talking about with the blocking coordinators role. Like I, th- I do think those things are pretty separate, right? They they are separate, but from the stance of, I guess my overall point is, even when they're getting blocked or something like a B enemy, it's different, but doesn't get interviewed for a job. When you have an offensive coordinator job in the league, whether it's by title or by actuality, and if you have it by actuality, that's a good job because your next step is to become a head coach, is overall you're just not financially getting screwed because 32 of the defensive coordinators in 2019 made over a million dollars. 30 of the 32 offensive coordinators made over a million, and I think the two guys under it were all over like 850. It, I guess my overall point is being a coordinator, whether you're getting blocked Whoever you are is a fucking elite job in America, and it's pretty sweet, and you're in a position to, like, your next step is pretty clear. But we're not talking about coordinators. We're talking about position coaches that have been getting blocked, right? That's but what I, this but, rule— But, but a, lot of, a lot of coordinators have been getting blocked, too. The guys that are not able to call plays, you can block that guy. It happens a lot with position coaches, but I think yeah. the last several years, because a lot of coaches now are the head, call are plays— the call, Play caller, yeah. So those guys, I think, have become the more famous quote-unquote blocks, right? The OC that's not calling plays. Because technically, I think Kyle's like, 
LaFleur is basically my OC, even though his posi- even though his title might be pass game coordinator. coordinator. Does that he, count he, as to, OC? To, to me, he's the equivalent of an OC. I'm basically paying him like that, and you're basically hiring him to do exactly what I have him doing. Right. His and point is, Kyle- if I, I, yeah, the, the, what you don't what you don't mind is Mike LaFleur being blocked from becoming an OC for another coach who's also calling the plays. I think to have a rule where Mike LaFleur doesn't get blocked from becoming a true from going to be, uh, you know, Pete Carroll's offensive coordinator, right? Like those are two. Uh, Mike LaFleur going to be Matt LaFleur's OC and being Pete Carroll's OC are two different things. Totally. Robert Sala next year. The Jags kind of feels like it's going to happen, right? Robert Sala gets a head coaching job. If if the rule still existed and Kyle could block him for Robert Sala, that there's no disputing. Even if I do understand what Kyle's like, well, you took the extension, it would be feel a little shady. Yeah. But uh, give the guy a chance. And also, I'd say, Kyle, if he has success, he'll make you look good. He's like, I'd just rather him make me look good as my assistant coach. Well, that's his, that's his pushback. <laughs> uh, all right, Bryce Harper, John. Maybe inspired by watching uh, 90s NBA basketball. I don't know, but he's got a plan for baseball. Uh, East-West, four-and-a-half-month season. July to mid-November, 135 games. An off day every two weeks on Mondays. Sunday, seven-inning doubleheaders. Expanded rosters. Uh, two-week World Series, like the Super Bowl week he wrote. Ten-team round-robin College World Series kind of style, he wrote that, at the New Texas Stadium or whatever stadium. Three-game series. I love this. You win a series, you move on. This is where it's different than the College World Series because the College World Series is – doesn't become a series in Omaha until later. He's saying you yeah. play a three-game series, and then if you lose that series, you still play another game. You play the other loser in like a wild card one-off, and then loser the winner of that game. moves on. So, I like a good. I, I love a good loser bracket game. That, me too. And then two teams left do a seven-game World Series. Blah blah blah. Also, you, no blackouts. You, no blackouts. That's the other part of his plan. You have to admit the, these are. Given the times, given the quarantine, I don't give a shit if you're Costas, Haberman, old school people, the new school people, to, to not take these seriously would be pretty stupid. I think like, it's a great why, idea. Why would you not be entertaining? This? I think the only reason you wouldn't want them is because you're afraid they'll work too well. Right? That's the, like to me, the, the resistance would be like, ah, I don't know. I'm afraid it'll, people will like it and we'll have to do it in the future, which is a great thing to be afraid of. Yeah, and then you could just adapt your league. Like you could still do somewhat of this with a hundred and forty game season next year. But no one says like you can't. Yeah, there's. That's right. Maybe next year it's because he said next next year you you don't start till May, and then the next year you go back to April. Because well, because guy, if if I get to a hundred and forty game season and and lengthen my playoffs a little bit, like you can make up the revenue or keep growing, or if you get more people watching, you can charge more. I, I, I think there's no reason for basketball and baseball, given that their numbers have kind of been going the other way, to not try some shit right now. And you could argue that whatever numbers you get right now are going to be quote-unquote inflated, right? Like, would the Jordan Dock of average almost 6 million people if it wasn't quarantine? And no. I'd push back, be like, I think Michael Jordan's Dock, the numbers would have still been pretty high. Would they have been quite as high? Like, He's pretty fucking popular, right? He's just a – but if if I was like, well, are you going to watch the Jordan doc or the, the Lakers Clippers second round? Yeah. Like there just would have been other things on. Right. I was like uh, the Jordan doc or the U.S. Open, right, with Tiger in it. Like they, they didn't have to compete against anything. But, yeah. What's I, your favorite I, I, of I, the Bryce ideas? 
I'll, I'm the playoff round robin, you know, loser bracket, bracket playing, game. just let more people in and just kind of let it rip. Yeah. I, and I love to, like, you know, I don't claim to be a genius. I'm just throwing some things out here. I, I Listen, he's a polarizing individual. I do think he gives a shit about baseball, which is cool. He's great you know? for the sport. Great. Yeah. I The now, one thing, if, if people are playing in their home, I saw somebody raise this issue that, like, well, if everyone's playing in their home stadiums, East versus West might not work because half the league is in the Eastern time zone. So like 14 teams are in the Eastern time zone. The other six teams are pretty or much more spread out. So if you're not going to have off, if you're only going to have one off day every two weeks, then it's going to be really hard for like the West coast teams in terms of travel. Cause you're saying like even the central, the pirates. Yeah. So uh, 14 teams are in the Eastern time zone. The other 16 teams are spread out through the other three time zones. Cause like the Rockies, Arizona are not Pacific standard time. Yeah, the te- the Texas teams are not right. Yeah, you're right. It, it it feels like oh, just split it down the middle, but it's not that simple. So, but if you're you know if you're starting at spring training sites, maybe that works. Although it doesn't feel like we're gonna have to do that. But um, but well, whatever. That's a that's another detail you can work out later. Just the general idea. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. It's good, and you can and and you know the the staunchest traditionalists. You say, look, as this is anything but traditional, this is going to be. We don't really have a choice, and I think it's an easy time to push and, it and, across. And I do think, in fairness, the traditionalists, even the stiffest of the stiff, have kind of waved the white flag on any take they have this year, right? That's what. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can't stick you know. to any of those. We need 162 for the records, to the integrity of the records. Like you can't. Yeah, that, those days are done. You can't argue any of that. Uh, what What about all the um, the restrictions? The potential restriction. Major League Baseball put out almost 70 pages of restrictions that they would uh, need to get back to play. I've got a picture of uh, Jose Arebe putting a dip in on the YouTube. Well, when I think baseball, I immediately think of two things. Of just like, if you just think of like, what happened, what do baseball players do? And the two things that I immediately think of are chewing tobacco and sunflower seeds. That's right. And those were the two things that they immediately said you can't do. And which, hair, and John. Uh, uh, can't touch your face? Can't touch your face. I thought I had it. Oh, and hair. Bryce has Ooh. his own hair product. Did you know about this? Can't, can't lick your fingers. Did you see that one? Can't lick your fingers. How about using Bryce's hair product? I, I, I just, I wonder if you just have to throw that out there for litigation because college baseball, shower, you do, they don't want people to shower together. Which to me is like you can go to the hotel room or whatever. Yeah. That's not as crazy unless you're playing like Texas Arlington and it's 110 degrees. But the no chewing, like there is a no chewing. Like when you call a Cal Arizona State baseball game, technically they're not supposed to chew in the NCAA, correct? I don't think they're supposed to chew in Major League Baseball in some places. Well, that that no one even factors that in. But yeah, but yes, like, to answer your question, yes, college no chewing. But Bo- Bochi gave. Remember us there was talk. that story about like is Madison Bumgarner going to get arrested? Well, guy, Bochi supported the bill as he had a chew-in. It was legendary. He's like, yeah, I thought I Bochi got, right uh, he got, uh, uh, what's it called? Where they mesmerize you. That might have been after the fact. Hypnoti- he got hypnotized, yeah. I just remember that he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And, and he had a chew-in literally when he was talking about it. He was always a hard one to tell. Like, he just lived life with a chew-in. Uh, but I think baseball is just part of like their psyche. I, it, it's just impossible. Yeah. It's not. It's not possible. Uh, if you're social distancing, a little, a little uh, spitting. You know. But here's what I don't understand, guy. If 
you're just together. Like none of if you're getting tested, none of them have it. Why does it matter if they high five? Or they said no lineup card exchanges, no water jugs, no saunas, steam rooms, pools, cryo chambers. I like this one. Batting gloves are encouraged. Hitting indoor is discouraged. And this goes back to what we always say: if you don't want people to do it, tell them they can't do it. Don't discourage it. They'll just do it if you discourage it. Um, well, I think Corona's become a lot like that now. It feels yeah. a lot of people were like, this, this everyone very on early. social media just telling me I can't live at a house party. Fuck you, I'm throwing a house party tonight. Yeah, but but to me, there's a difference between you can't gather and we ask that you don't gather. Those are two different things. One hundred, And that's kind of what this whole thing's turned into, kind of these arbitrary laws just like this. You have to... To me, you'd have to have a rule. Like if you get right. chew, if you get caught chewing, you get fined. Everyone must keep their distance during the Star Spangled Banner and God Bless America. Well, how about we? Do we need? Do we need both? Do we need God Bless America in the seventh inning? Could you argue like most teams don't? I, I don't know. Like I think the Yankees play them every game. I don't think everybody does God Bless America every game, but the Yankees. What about the seventh inning stretch? Yeah, I, I guess. Do you still play the song and have people? I mean, but no one, they don't stand on the sides for the seventh inning stretch, right? They're on the field. It's just for the fans. Well, I could see you have, you could do fun, like have Michael Jordan doing it for Skype for a Cubs game. Take me out to the ball game. Yeah. On the video board. (laughs) That's a good idea. Zooming in. So I'm with you though. I don't see, did you see, I saw in in response to the restriction, somebody tweeted there was a baseball league where they're supposed to be social distancing and they had a brawl. (laughs) So it was like both teams are all just crowded next to each other on the field. But but I, I, I've been to a few gatherings over the last three or four weeks. You, you just stop thinking about it. And I think as – and you saw with the golf, we'll get into a little later. You just become – we're humans. Like there's another human that I know. I'm just going to start getting a little closer to him. I'm not scared of this guy. There's no just like stay away from each other because one of them was like in the outfield – don't touch if you don't have to. And McCutcheon had a funny because he's always been big on like the things where y'all jump up mm. and you know do. It's just yeah, that, those will just naturally happen. You know why? Because they're fucking humans and this is what we do. Yeah, especially if you are testing them and they're negative. I I, I actually think it would be a challenge. The more aggressive some of their things are, it's like I don't even think this is possible. You the, the only the only way you could be like. You can't do this. Like, I don't even think you could just say, you can't do this. I think you'd have to say, for every time we catch you chewing, you'll get fined 5000 Every time, you'd have to do something yeah. extreme. Cause, yeah. Or, or else or, I think I think a big part of it, too, will be, I would guess, I haven't seen this, but I would guess the television partners are encouraged not to show. If they see something happening, they're not going to show a guy spitting. They won't show two guys hugging on the bench. Is would be my guess. That baseball would yeah. say, hey, let's not. Because there was at one point, well, you just remind. We'll get to the golf thing. Um, MJ, the final longer cigars. Jesus, huh? Why is this His one c- so long? Well, I, maybe because it was like the grand finale, but it was long. He smoked, he's how many cigars do you think he smoked in his life? Was he serious? He was kidding at that practice, right? Where he, or maybe he wasn't. He must maybe he was serious. Where he's like, woke up today, had a couple beers, had a cigar, played the piano. And one of the someone's like at the hotel lobby. He's like, no, in my room. I have a piano in my room. Did he have two I thought, beers? Before I thought. He, I thought. I thought he was kidding. Okay. Because he was fucking with the media guy, yeah. asking him. So, uh, 
two two uh, two red flags we had on the. Uh, but I, uh, last, but I wouldn't totally put it past. You wouldn't either. Two red flags we had on the uh, last uh, two episodes of the Last Dance. You go first. Uh, really quick, I thought the Steve Kerr part, like it, it was a hard one to watch with like not getting a little misty eyed. I mean, that was mm. pretty powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I I'm red flagging the whole pizza story. I'm not saying he didn't get food poisoning. I, I just I don't know if it was as black and white as the way they described it. I also think there are probably elements to this entire documentary. And listen, I I have loved every second of it. I mean, I was I can't remember a documentary. Like I, I watch a lot of random television shows that I'll stop paying attention to. That I'll grab my phone. Like I was pretty fucking locked into this thing for ten hours, guy. Yeah. Like when it was on TV, I I was just watching. Yeah. I just don't know if I believe there's probably a lot of just a lot of time, right? It's 2020. A lot of time has passed, but this is one of the stories that are just flu game food. Even food poisoning had been out there. I just don't know the way they described that. If they would have known it was Michael Jordan, let alone, I, I don't know. Several holes. There's two. But what, what would have happened? Like how would he have got sick? Two major holes in that story. You mean, how would they have poisoned him? Or just like, why wouldn't he just say like, I got the flu? Like, what's wrong with saying that, right? Or you got a sickness overnight? Well, I buy he had food poisoning. I I don't necessarily buy that completely. But I just mean like I like it. It might be that you just don't know. Well, you're like, well, does he have the flu? Well, it went away quickly. Maybe it was food poisoning. It might not have been from the pizza. Yeah, might have I mean, been. Could have been. I know the last time I had food poisoning, it took like until the middle of the next day for it to hit me. The last two times, actually. Actually, one time it hit me pretty quickly. But, so, I'm with you. I had some, like, here's the question I would have asked right there. Like, okay, wait a second. So, five guys appeared at the door to deliver Michael Jordan's pizza. You just told us that nothing in the whole city is open. But the one place that's delivering pizzas has five employees that all came together. How did they know it was Michael Jordan's room? This guy who wants privacy called and made the reservation for pizza or made the order for pizza under Michael Jordan. Like my guess is what happened there. The pizza gets delivered for whatever room. This is going to room 48. The, this is going to the penthouse. Everyone at the hotel knows that's where MJ is staying, right? My yeah. guess is the five people outside the door were hotel employees, not pizza places employees. And, and that it was three people, not five. So that's, why, but why would it, why would it even be three? But I, because my box? get so I think pizza gets delivered. The pizza guy says this is for room sixteen oh one. Somebody at the front desk realizes that's Jordan's room. Let's let's I'm gonna go take this to Jordan's room. And so I was like, no no no, I'm taking it. And like let's just go up and see if we can get a glimpse of MJ when we deliver this pizza. That, that part's believable. So that's my. So theory then on that part. then in your theory. The hotel would have poisoned him, not the pizza people. No, my theory is nobody actually poisoned him. Just that there were five people there from the hotel. But yeah, yes. If if we if the, if if we the said, pizza food poisoned Michael, it, how could purpose, the pizza place have known it was Michael's pizza? Maybe it's like you remember in uh, Wedding Crashers when they put the visine. It just could be as simple as that. Just a basic trick of just put a little something that'll fuck him up and not kill him. Yeah, but I do. What if Michael? What if it would have got too extreme and they would have killed him like rat poisoning? <laughs> would his legend even be bigger? Would they have been able to finish the NBA Finals? If, if he had hit the game-winning shot dead? Yeah. I guess I was no, legitimately, five. he just dies. Do they cancel the NBA Finals if he dies? Do they finish it? I mean, it gets, 
It gets postponed for a few weeks, I think. Is is that the craziest story in the history of sports stories? If it's revealed that he they food poisoned him, but they overdid it by accident. Yeah, and it went got extreme fast. I do think there's probably something. I don't want to totally dismiss Tim Grover. His like there probably is something to. He had a sense something was weird when he got the pizza, but again, that that might be something he's put in his head now that he knows what happened afterwards. If you ask me a story from 20 years ago, your recollection is just going to be different because also your memory you've told the story like the Brian Jennings thing. You've told the story so many times, maybe the detail you've convinced yourself that you had a bad feeling about it. Do you notice this as a human? Like we're in our mid 30s. Stuff that happened 10, 15, you don't remember it like you once did. Now, there are certain instances in your life I think you just never forget. Well, and that would be a pretty big one, I, I, I would imagine. I would guess, Tim, I would guess he's told that story as much as he's told most of his that's stories, true. right? That's, but that's, that doesn't mean that he couldn't just, as time goes on, you embell- not even, you're not consciously embellishing. You're just like, you know what? I did have a weird feeling about that pizza. And then five years go by, and you're like, yeah, I had a weird feeling about that pizza. And then 10 years go by, you're like, I had a really weird feeling about that pizza. And it's like, well, why didn't you tell Michael, don't eat that pizza? Because at the time, your feeling was probably like, oh, that's weird. There's a lot of people here. And then you didn't think anything of it. But then after the fact, you're like, I was thinking it. I just didn't quite recognize that I thought it. The same way when you, uh, you know, when you pick a team, when you're picking like NFL picks, and you're like, I had a weird feeling about the Saints this week. But at the time, it was the same as every feeling you have. Just after the fact, you think it was stronger than it actually was, and you should have gone with the Saints to cover. I, I, I do. That's a fair. You're. I knew I had a weird feeling. Yeah. No, you just. You were just kind of going against the grain, and it just kind of. You got a million weird feelings. Uh, in my in my one experience with food poisoning, it was the worst experience I've ever had. <laughs> it was by far in a short period of time. I mean, I've never been that sick, beside like the bad flu or whatever. It's. I, it crossed my mind, like, is this what death feels like? From being wrapped around the toilet to in my bed with the shakes, and then you realize you haven't eaten anything for 24 hours because you can't put anything in your body. It is, and I, I tweeted this last night, and I had a bunch of people respond. Like, I, I do think everywhere you go, if you bring up food poisoning around another people, or another person, they typically universally agree it is... It's unlike any experience, unless you've had a fucking cancer or near-death experience, that you're going to have that you're going to rebound from pretty quickly, right? That you don't need crazy over-the-counter drugs. It, it just yeah, flushes out Yeah, that it becomes, it can be a funny story within 24 hours. Yeah. About your maybe, survival. I mean, maybe like 48 hours. Yeah. I, uh, I did think we should start, next time, every guest we have on this podcast, we should just start by asking them their favorite, not their favorite, their worst food poisoning story. Because you're right, everyone has, I've got, I actually have a food poisoning story from a basketball game I did in Salt Lake City, and I had to leave during the game. So you did a game while you were food poisoned? It hit me right after halftime. Did you puke? No, that, this one went the other way. Then the most recent food poisoning was the same year, two, two years ago? Or last year, two years ago. Late night, like it's an 11 p.m. steak. Maybe eleven thirty, super late. Get on a flight at six a.m. Uh, and I had 
the whole cross-country flight from Boston to San Francisco just I, – at one point, I was in the bathroom for two hours straight. I mean, it was, there was a line. People – there was two bathrooms. One guy's banging, banging, banging. I finally come out, and he starts yelling at me. I'm like, bro, you have no idea what's happening in there. You need to chill out. Um, that, was, that one was really bad because that time has never moved slower than it does on a cross-country flight. Well, and it crossed your mind on the poisoning. plane. You're like, am I going to die like this? Or is it like, I, I, of all the times to get this feeling, it happens to me here? Yeah, you just... Oh, my God. It was... Like, the time... I'll, I'll say this. The time I got food poisoning, I was at home. So, if you are going to get food poisoning, if you just have your bed and your own bathroom to be able to go back and forth, while it, you feel like you're going to die, at least you're in your own element. If you are somewhere else, even a hotel room, I guess if you're in a hotel room and you're stuck there, it's not as bad. A plane, if you could list the top things you'd be most miserable stuck mm. on, that'd be that. That was awful. By the t- the flight was so long. By the time I landed, I well actually I did throw up once when I got home afterwards. I think, but then it was good. It's like the whole flight was just getting it out. Good way to lose a couple pounds. <laughs> uh, my other red flag on this: the breakup. Like, would MJ have come back for the ninety eight ninety nine season? Kind of felt like he wanted to retire, and the fact that Kraus pushed everybody out just kind of worked out. Do you buy? Like he was no. ready to come back and win another championship. I don't. Maybe no, he I, I, maybe, but uh, it's not as cut and dry as they made it seem. I don't think. No, underrated. I mean, it was just if you are gonna go joke at the parade, the delivery is pretty important. And Kerr's delivery was like a comedian, like it how he paused yeah. and then he went like because he was going all in on it. And it, you know, if you don't deliver it perfectly, it might not be quite as funny. But his pause, it was just like. That's a ballsy move just because if it works great, but you could also swing and miss where you're like delivery's a little off and everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Well, it's a rare about? combination of you can't make that joke if it's anywhere near the truth. Like, so if it's like Pippen who really wants to take that shot, like he can't make that joke. But the no. guy who's that far down the list of people who can make the joke rarely is confident enough to tell that joke. That's what makes Steve the perfect combination. Can like, I good enough to un- make a couple of big plays, but also self deprecating enough. Can I give you an underrated part about Steve Kerr guy? He was in the closing lineup, not just in that's 97. Right. I that Did you too. notice in 98? Yep. You're like, that's Kerr out I there thought on the, the same court. thing. The like, fucker we... closed for the Bulls. Yep. I thought the same it's, exact thing. He closed. Like, he was with the closing lineup. I tweeted this last night, and I firmly believe this. Listen, I, you could say, well, matchups, they had Stockton and Hornets. I don't give a shit. If you were closing... In an NBA final game, and I'm, it doesn't even need to be the 90s, 80s. It could be this year whenever they come back. You are a elite player, right? Like you, Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan trust you to be – because even Kawakami was like, God, they left him in there for defense too. Yeah, he was just yeah, in the I closing lineup. I didn't realize he played like that. <laughs> I didn't either. All right, last thing. Uh, we had live golf on Sunday. Did you watch all of it? Rory hit the I winner at the, the end. I watched the – did they I ever actually Georgia, measure yeah. his game, his uh, extra hole closest to the pin? Well, I I do think, and you know this having, you know, just called Tiger Woods' uh, f- first victory back when his comeback trail tour championship, no big deal. Sometimes on television, a shot and definitely where a ball lands on a green because of undulation and slope yeah. can look a lot closer or farther than it actually is. Yeah. And Azinger immediately goes, well, pin high is 99% always closer. 
And I think when you just – one thing you notice with that course, because you're like, God, it doesn't look that hard. I think the greens are crazy sloped. John, it's a, it's a signature of Donald Ross courses, as I learned yesterday. <laughs> A lot Did of you undulation. that yesterday? Because I'm like, this course doesn't look that hard. Well, and then you get some putts, it was just crazy slow. One of the things that I think illustrated it right was, it's not like Ricky was just putting much better than the other three. And Ricky has won three member pro championships <laughs> on this whole, on this course. <laughs> what the fuck tournament is that? Like, you know your course is sweet. Yeah, it's like, what? Uh, yeah, we got the member guest. Like, yeah, we just, we got the member pro. You know like, who the member is? Pro? Uh, who Ricky played with? The member that Ricky's won three championships at that course with is the guy that like took Tiger to like Tiger. a thirty-six hole U.S. Amateur, and he's like a stud. Yeah, it's he. He wasn't playing with just like your, you know. He's like a, one of the best players at our club. Yeah, it's not John Middlecoff and Ricky Fowler. <laughs> no, it was impressive. But did you see the names? It was like. You know, Tigered one out there, Phil, like every swinging dick on the tour is playing. I know, but that course has never been on TV. It's never hosted a PGA event. Well, I wonder if it's one of those that is so exclusive and it's kind of unique that it's just off the beaten path and they, they just have so much. Rory's like, yeah, you know, it's a place is special to me. My dad's a member here. Yeah. It's like, oh. you know, and then it's like, I think Azinger, one of them said probably middle of the round, you know, they just, they just added a new member. Tom Brady, you're like, what, what is this place? You know, I, just, I, I think it's probably like the Augusta of Florida. Because um, the mem- the member pro guy, I, I've lived around country clubs, I mean, a, a low level one in Davis, but just know a lot of people that are members, different places. A member guest is a signature tournament of any country club, whether you're in Monterey or whether you're in Stockton. But a member pro... I mean, legit pro, not just like a dude that played on like in one tournament event, like the top pros play there. That might be the only place that hosts this. Yeah. Okay? I mean, uh, last thing on this, I, I think um, it was cool. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think the next one with Tiger and Phil and Peyton and Tom, and obviously this is different just because it's those guys. Hopefully it'll utilize those guys talking more. I would have liked to have seen more of that. Just let's just listen to these guys talk to each other. Talk about because at one point Matthew Wolf is like, "Yeah, I used to have a one iron with the shaft. It was I, bullets." But then like that was all we got. I want to hear just that. Just let's listen to these guys just talk about the golf they're playing. Well, and a couple times Wolf would say shit to Ricky, like, "Yeah, I thought that was going to go a little this," and then Ricky would start, "Well, you got it," and then it would like. Turn off. Yeah. Like, let them talk. I know. They're not, they're not, I don't think they're swearing. They know and they're mic'd they, up. I think they actively knew because they would be like, shucks. You know, I was like, they yeah, they, they totally knew. They were fine. Just let them talk a little bit. I wonder though, the one thing you notice is that even when they're shitty, they're still pretty good. Like, Wolf was all over early, but he's so fucking good. He figured it out. Peyton and Tom could really suck because mm-hmm. Wolf was like, yeah. They did an on-course interview. He's like, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of juiced up early. And he was – he's on a – those other three guys are on a completely different level. Like, Tom, they could be, like, shanking Are balls, they going to alternate – see, like, I feel like they should use a different format for Tom and those guys. They should either go alternate I would alternate imagine shot, they're going to rotate it. Right. That way, if Brady hits one in the shit, like, Tiger's got a hit from out of there. Like, that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. There were, there were a couple highlights yesterday when it was, like, long drive – it doesn't matter if you're in the fairway. And on the one, Wolf got it. Dustin swung as hard as he can. 
Guy, his knee, he almost fucking fell over. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he snapped it and still went like 340. Yeah. Wolf hit one 365 yesterday. It was a bomb. <laughs> it was like, is that going to get the bunker? And then it clears the bunkers by 35 yards. Someone hit, well, once you go into overtime in a skins game, someone's like, I can't believe they ended closest to the hole. I think the problem is you can just keep uh, tying they tied holes six forever. straight holes. It was like, yeah, that's that was really all they had. I was really, Look, I was going to leave the house if they had kept playing holes, but then they went closer to the pin. I stayed for that hole. What would be the better option? Long drive? No, I think closest to the pin's better because everyone can identify with a par three closest to the pin, the pressure of that. What did you think of my analogy on Ricky Fowler? Called him the Russell Westbrook of golf. Like if you if you were going to play a pickup game, if I just said guy, club sports is opened, pros versus Joes. These Joes are really good too. Million dollar prize. I can pick some fucking NBA players. Like Russell Westbrook would be up near the top. Like money's on the line. It's a pickup game though. Right. Right. So the rule, it's not an NBA game. It's a pickup game. If I was just going to play pickup game for money, golf, as you see on the pros versus the Joes tournament at this point, Ricky wins it all. Like he's made for it. Yeah. But then when it was really, really pressure, like close, he fucking shaked it. That was awful. How does that happen? I don't know. It was terrible. It, to me, that summed him up perfectly. The it fact was like, that Rory was on the tee box long. with the last shot was was perfect. Yeah, and won it. And won it. Even DJ, like, it looks good, it looks good, and then it went over. <laughs> How about just the random rich guys you could, like, uh, invest or, you know, put money toward Corona? And it was like, oh, we just got 200 grand more. And I was like, ah, just random rich guys. And they're like, Arthur Blank. Bill, Mur- Bill Murray's <laughs> like, how about we each donate 15000 Mike to Rico? Mike's like, okay. <laughs> Guess I'm in for fifteen. Or, or when Donald calls in and he and it's kind of over. They've just kind of been talking overwhelming, just sports coming back. Donald throws in, Mike, you know, I, I love playing with you a, a year ago. God, you were good. It's like, Tariko was like, uh. But then Tariko kind of had to go as his president talking to him. Like, yeah, you're a good putter. Yeah, Tariko with, with both interviews had to just kind of pull things back. <laughs> I want to, but I, that's my point. It's like, I don't even think you needed interviews. You just let these guys talk. And that's cool. That's what we never get. So anyway, so much for a rapid Karen, fire Car- The other part, carrying the bags is cool. I mean, that looks like every golfer, right? I would have rather them dr- drive their carts. Just this, just the act of like one shoulder. Two shoulders. Ugh, get the bag on my back. Just makes me tired. I don't. I don't enjoy that. I just rather the problem. The problem with carts. Those four playing, and you notice Dustin Johnson. One guy would hit, and then they would go to DJ's backswing. You talk about fucking ready golfer. Yeah. Someone tweeted like, "Where the fuck does he have to be?" I guess they had those guys had to wait for the cameras to get set up sometimes because they're playing. So yeah, fast. I, I I think the problem with carts is you they'd be you they could play eighteen holes those four and. Hour and a half. Yeah. Well, right? <laughs> sounds like a dream. <laughs> All right. On that note, adios. See ya. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.